The following is a paid commercial program, and the views expressed are those of the speaker and do not reflect the views or opinions of iHeartRadio, its staff, or management. Broadcasting live from the Santa Lucia Highlands through the heart of the Casterville Artichoke Fields, westward to the Elkhorn Slough, and south to the rugged Big Sur coastline, you're listening to What's the Plan? A weekly discussion with local thought leaders about the future of Monterey County. And now, here's your host, Mr. Paul Wyant. Good afternoon, everyone. We have another great show for you today, featuring two parts. In the first half of the show, we have Mr. Steve John to continue our conversation from last week. He heads up the Monterey Peninsula Foundation, and he's here to talk more about the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. If you'd like to go back and listen to the first half of that show, you can download it at www.whatstheplanmonterey.com, or you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Spotify or Google Play. In the second half of the show, we have Mary Alice Cerrito Fettis, and she's going to tell us all about Whale Fest Monterey. So you're going to want to stick around for that half of the show. So getting back to my discussion with Mr. Steve John, I asked him about the volunteers at the Monterey Peninsula Foundation, and in particular, Suzanne Overton, who leads up the volunteer effort at the foundation. Let's rejoin the conversation. Uh, she's amazing. She, you know, she, she heads up all the volunteers and um, the patience she has, you know, volunteers are, are, are so important to the tournament and, and to keep them in the know, uh, to feel, you know, feel important, but also, you know, be recognized for their hard work. She does a remarkable job. Uh, we have 1,600 volunteers, you know, 16 to 2,000 for the AT&T and roughly 600 to 1,000 for the Pure Insurance Championship. And she's responsible for making sure that, you know, they all know the committees that are on and the various um, details of the week. The, the uniforms are just one particular piece of that, but she's she's incredible. I I, I came to the foundation in, in 2011, and she was there, um, and she's the only one that is, uh, one other, uh, Sarah Hayes, who's in the sponsorship department. Those two are the only two that have been, have been there the entire time I've been there. Every, all, the rest, all the rest of the staff is turned over um, with age. I mean, they, the, the beauty of the foundation is, is, is so much fun to work for. No one ever wants to leave. And so when I took over, there were, there were, you know, five or six ladies that had been there 20 to 25 years. Wow. And, and they were, you know, they were just done. They were, they had, they had done such a fantastic job and, 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 and the, the nurturing of the events. And so I, you know, was tasked with hiring new staff. And fortunately there's a, there's a, a large pool of, of philanthropic minded um, people out there that really want to work for a nonprofit. So I've been I've been very fortunate to fill the fill the seats with with uh, with people that care deeply about our community and the work that we do at the foundation level. So Suzanne, just one example of that, and we try to we try to keep that culture uh, going throughout. And with with the you know the the, the underlying um, goal is that you know we we um, we know our role and responsibility within the communities that we serve in Santa Cruz, San Benito, Monterey County. And we we do it um, with great enthusiasm. I think every everybody in, within the organization of the small staff at the Monterey Pencil Foundation is uh, just really good good souls, good people. Um, they they're really uh, they're fun to be around because they they really do. They're passionate about the work we do, and you have to be. 
and if you're if you're in the nonprofit sector. If you're an if you're an organization uh, and you want to apply for a grant, I'm looking at your webpage. Says MontereyPeninsulaFoundation.org. Is that the best place where an organization can go and then reach out to one of the uh, one of your directors or program associates? Yeah, yeah. The best best place is to start with our website to learn. You know wh- where we give, and I, as I said, we we we'll, we're going to give to meet the need um, if it makes sense, and it has to make sense uh, for obvious reasons. But that's that's the best place to go is look at the website, see who we go to, uh, see if you're a fit. You know, we, we require certain things. We require. I mean, we obviously we have a fiscal responsibility to the board of directors to do our you know fiduciary responsibility to do our due diligence, and and we do perform that due diligence. There's a staff of three in the office. The director um, leads that staff, and so there's there's um, there's the, the appropriate action is to contact the, the foundation, um, requesting uh, you know applying for a grant, and then communicating, and and we really hold the hand of the grant of the grantee of the applicant to ensure that they you know they know what they're asking for. They give us the right information. We want to approve the grant. We don't want to we don't want to turn anything away, but we want to make sure that the application process um, takes place and everything is checked and, and dotted and hit appropriate appropriate boxes. So we we are here to give. That's our purpose, and we, we want to give. We just have to make sure it's it, it goes to the right end, end user. So February eighth through the fourteenth is the AT and T Pebble Pro Am this year, which I'm kind of bummed out that uh, they don't have uh, you know in person uh, uh, spectators because you have great line of. Um, Although you don't have Wayne Gretzky, I was disappointed by that. I'll just say, but uh, the uh, we, do. You, we do. He's playing. <laughs> oh, he is playing. He, okay. Wait, yeah. So, so what you what you see on our website are the current players that have that have registered. Okay, we have invita- have invitations out that the people just haven't haven't registered yet for whatever reason. You know, maybe, maybe they haven't gotten around to it. A lot a lot of people, um, a lot of our professionals that have not committed to play yet do so after the new year it's it's typically this week that begins monday is 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 a week that everybody kind of figures out well you know what that tournament's next month i, I probably need to register so it, you'll see a lot of activity on the website in the, in the coming weeks uh wayne wayne's wayne's planning to play i hit a hole in one yesterday actually which is kind of funny um i believe it was at sherwood down south but he's he's planning to play. I'm, again, I'm from Michigan. I played hockey growing up, so I'm a huge hockey yeah. fan. I'm a huge Gretzky fan. It's well, it's uh, funny to, Wayne's fun to watch. it's funny to watch him and Dustin Johnson because they're always kind of like uh, kind of you know making fun of each other more or less. The whole time. Oh, they are, <laughs> they are. They're great. They're a great team. They're a great team, and they participate in the Chevron uh, putting uh, champions versus champions event every year, which is great. And that raises money for again those organizations that that uh, that those represent and you know we we have three of those special events typically every year and unfortunately this year two are going to go away because we just they're they're fan-based events and it doesn't make any sense the chevron will still take place but the 3m and the cisco hole in one will not Mm. because we're just we we do we need the interaction with the public to to have that really take place so it'll have it's a year off and then we'll come back in 22. yeah that's and uh jason bateman of course bill murray's still there uh larry the cable guy yeah jason bateman jason bateman played and played twice in the 90s i i was unaware of that until i actually spoke with him when i invited him to play he he mentioned oh it'd be great to come back and i said what do you mean come back i played i played in the 90s early 90s i thought wow i had I mean that bad on me. I should have known that, but unfortunately, our, our records um, we use it. We use our software system, our Salesforce system. We we went back as far as we could. Apparently, we didn't we didn't do a good enough job with that one. Yeah. But we we um, we realized that he did play in the nineties. So it's great to have him back. I think he'll be a as I always say, it's a great fan attraction. But in this situation, it's going to be a you know an, an audience is going to be from a distance. So I guess 
people will watch the, you know, watch the broadcast on CBS and golf channel and follow along our social media and, and, and watch it. We, we will have to do a better job with our social media than we have in the past. Not a better job, just a deeper job. We do. I think our, our, our team, Leslie Varney, who's, who's our director of marketing, you may have met her, talk to her. She's fantastic. She is, she's tasked with, uh, with this role, the, the, the overseeing the, the, the social media. And this year, more than ever, we need to make sure we're, we're really pushing it out there for people because there's going to be, there's going to be a, a great desire to, to follow us and know, Absolutely. And, um, you know, because they're not here. Well, I was wondering, Steve, and I don't know about the TV contracts. Maybe they wouldn't allow this, but uh, could you live stream, like, say, Bill Murray or something like that? Um, we can't live stream because the, the, the CBS owns the rights to the broadcast to capture anything, any images. Mm-hmm. So it's really it's as live as, as the, you know, the broadcast from, you know, for the hours that's on on Saturday and Sunday for CBS, Golf Channel, Thursday, Friday. But there's, you know, the players, the players do, you know, through their social media platforms, they, they, they really, if you're following, you know, probably the best thing to do is to go on and I'd advise people to, to follow every one of our celebrities and athletes that are in the field, just get on their Instagram, Twitter, whatever, they, whatever they, they, they use and just follow them because I think you're going to see some good content will come from, from their own platforms this year. Uh, unlike any in the past. So, Steve, you, you're a great citizen uh, doing great work throughout philanthropic work. And what a great, uh, you know, second chapter to your career. And I know it's not about you. It's about all the great giving. But, we, you know, everybody needs citizens that are out there running organizations like this is just phenomenal. Uh, anything to add before uh, we go? You want to put on? No, there? no. I just I, I, look, I, I, I've said it before. I'm passionate about golf and giving. And, and the organization, the Monterey Peninsula Foundation, has done a fantastic job and achieving these goals before I came, I followed it. I followed a tremendous man in Ali Nutt and someone will follow me as well. And it's just, you know, when I'm here, my job is to, is to raise money for the communities that, that we serve and the nonprofits um, within those communities. So I, I just, I, I push myself every day to, to make sure we're achieving those goals and, and looking always for opportunity for us to help because that's all, that's truly all we can do. We we're on this earth to, to help others, and, and there's givers and takers in the world, and I am a giver and nice. always have been. Thank God. I was raised to be a giver. And hopefully, uh, with, with any luck, the Pure Insurance Championship this year will be a uh, in-person attended event. <laughs> <laughs> I sure hope so. It's tough. I mean, I got to tell you, um, we, need, we need the juniors back. The, the First Tee organization is phenomenal, and the juniors are the secret sauce to that tournament. And it, it was, it worked out just fine. It was a great event. The, the amateurs that participated, that pay a lot of money to, to support the organization, the first tee, they had a wonderful time, but they, if asked, I guarantee every one of them would say, I did have a wonderful time, but I missed the juniors mm-hmm. because they bring an element of a level of enthusiasm and excitement. And really they're, they're, they're incredible individuals. They're, they're not probably going to play golf as the career. They're going to, they're the next to cure cancer. And so when you meet these juniors and you talk with them, you learn a lot. And, and if you just ask them, you know, the more you ask them more questions, you're going to get some answers that you would never think you'd get. These are, these are incredible young men and women and it, and having them not with us is, is very difficult. So I do hope we can return to that that platform next year, that sense of normalcy will come back in the world, I hope, very soon. 
but that's that's certainly a, a goal of ours is to get back to normal. Fantastic. Well, th- thanks again, Steve, for uh, coming on the program. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Bud. Okay, that was the conclusion to my discussion about the Pro-Am and the Monterey Peninsula Foundation with Mr. Steve John. Of course, if you'd like to learn more about their philanthropic giving or the Pro-Am, go to www.montereypeninsulafoundation.org. And in the second half of the program, we're going to have Mary Alice Cerrito Fettis, and she's going to tell us all about Whale Fest, a little bit of Fisherman's Wharf history and Monterey history. Whale Fest will be this month virtually because of COVID from January 26th to the 29th. I'm Paul Wyant, owner of Express Employment Professionals in Monterey County. If you need great staff for your business, give us a call today, 831-920-1230. 831-920-1230. You've been listening to What's the Plan on Central Coast Power Talk, 1460 AM and 101.1 FM. One company is on a mission to put a million people to work each year. Sounds like a big number, doesn't it? Not to express employment professionals. We take pride in connecting the right people with the right company. Express Employment Professionals is on a mission to put a million people to work each year. Let us help. We'll open doors for you. For great employees, call Monterey County Express Employment Professionals. 831-920-1230. That's 831-920-1230. Boy, great interview this afternoon that Paul is having with his guest. And let's get back to more of What's the Plan with your host, Paul Bayan, on Power Talk 1460 and 101FM. Paul? Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. In this half of the program, we'll be talking with Mary Alice Cerrito Fettis about Whale Fest. If you'd like to learn more about Whale Fest, you can go to whalefest.org. Also, they have a Facebook channel, a YouTube channel, and they are on the Fisherman's Wharf website with information there at montereywharf.com. But you can find all of that at whalefest.org, so you can get to all those places. Also, let me mention that this is an abbreviated version of our full discussion. If you'd like the full interview with Mary Alice, you can go to whatstheplanmonterey.com. I'll also be posting a special podcast on iTunes and Spotify and Google Play course, if you're subscribed to What's the Plan Monterey, you've already received this podcast with my full discussion with Mary Alice. So with that, let's jump right into the discussion and discuss Whale Fest 2021. So Mary Alice, can you tell us a little about your history in Monterey and the origins of Whale Fest? Sure. In the early 1920s, my grandfather had a, a two-table restaurant right across the street from the wharf. And he uh, was uh, able to proudly serve all sorts of wonderful seafood dishes there. And in uh, the early 50s, 1951, my father purchased Pop Ernst Abalone Restaurant. It was called Pop Ernst. And he was the first person to serve abalone for the Western palate. So prior to that, it had been dried along the, the wharf and sent back to Japan as strips of abalone. So he paired it in a German Schnitz style. And then, of course, later on, the Italians took over pairing it as well in a, in a Milanese sort of way where you bread it and, and grill it. And then he built another restaurant on Fisherman's Wharf called Neptune's Table, at the time, and now it scales. And my involvement with the wharf has been forever. I grew up practically underneath the wharf while my parents worked in the restaurant, and I went to work for my dad when I was 12. I've 
just been associated with the wharf and seen the transition over the last multitude of decades and seen the, the families who have been so involved. That, that is fantastic. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of Whale Fest? Part of the of the whale fest is we tell the history and the culture of Fisherman's Wharf. Of course, in the early days, we had the the whalers from the Azor Islands, so they're Portuguese, and uh, the, the Basques who had their long history of whaling. And then the Japanese came over with the uh, discovery of all the abalone and greatly influenced the wharf to the point that during World War, prior to World War II, many of the businesses... I don't want to say most of them, but perhaps most of them were owned by Japanese families. And then, of course, due to the camps, they were sent off. I don't know, very many people don't know that the, the citizens of Monterey invited the Japanese families back here because they had grown up with them. They had many of the Sicilian families had, had learned to speak Japanese before they learned English and vice versa. The kids, Japanese kids learned to speak Sicilian before they learned English in school. So there was this great camaraderie between the two cultures that had gone on. However, the businesses didn't uh, return to Japanese ownership, more or less uh, as more and more uh, Sicilian fish, Italian fishermen came here to fish the sardines, then more of the businesses on Fisherman's Wharf became Italian-owned. Fisherman's Wharf has a, has a deep history. Lots of books could and have been written. Um, Mary Alice, can you can you talk a little bit about the evolution or your involvement in the modern whale fest celebration? About 11, 12 years ago, I guess by now, the wharf was uh, looking for an event to fill in the gap. There, you know, you can blow a cannon down the wharf during regular times and not hit a soul in, in January, and it's pretty rough as far as meeting the economic needs. Uh, the wharf would bounce from, say, from weekend to weekend of events. So let's just say their last big event would have been New Year's Day, then you bounced onto the Crosby Golf Tournament, AT&T, and then on to Easter, and it was like that, feast and famine, just along along the way until you hit the summer months, and then, of course, you had to make all your income in the summer months in order to, to pay your winter bills. So we were looking for something that would to fill in that uh, long gap, just a dearth of attendees, uh, visitors to the wharf. So we, there had been a whale fest previously, and it had been an, a monumental endeavor. It, it covered from Point Lobos to Pacific Grove to Custom House Plaza. It was all over the peninsula, and it covered three weekends. And we said, no, we can't do that. That's way too much. How about we just say one weekend and we'll make it 10 to 5 daily and, and make it happen. So it evolved over the years. So what it has evolved to now is an event that we have taken virtually, but say up to last year, we drew approximately 20,000 people per, for the weekend. So it was an absolutely fabulous economic input we had people coming from our from all over the world people came just for particular reasons i remember we had one man coming from new york just to attend a symposium as a science writer just to attend a symposium so we have 
the symposium, which is anywhere from eight to 10 experts in their field. And so they might be marine scientists, or they might represent uh, marine nonprofits, businesses, uh, agencies, organizations, and they are truly experts in their field. Oh, great, great. Can you tell us some, a little bit about the exhibitors who will be presenting and some of the events at the Whale Fest? So that touching on the exhibitors that we have, Chad King is with NOAA. He'll be talking about the Octopus Sea Garden. Ari Friedlander is with UCSC, and he'll be talking about the baleen whales. Karen Forney's with NOAA, and she'll be talking about Oh, just a, a variety of uh, citations. Um, by the way, Whale Fest is meant to be an umbrella name only. It's it, We cover everything, as, as I said, grapes, to, um, to the, the smallest of crustaceans, to uh, you, you name it, sea otters. So we'll have uh, Peggy Stapp who will be speaking about whale entanglement. And then as far as the exhibitors that we've had, we've had like up to 40 exhibitors. So like California Coastal Commission, uh, PG Museum, American Cetacean Society, Marine Mammal Center. I don't know how I'm gonna, we're going to be able to pull this one off, but they every year they've done a release for us. So a couple of years ago, it was so cute. They let go two sea lions. You know, these are rehabilitated animals. They have the, the largest uh, rehabilitation mammal center in the world in Sausalito, and their satellite unit is here in Moss Landing. So they let go these two sea lions and they went on Monterey Beach and they went, you know, galloping toward the water and then they stopped and they kissed and then they went in the water. It was incredible. I mean, Hollywood choreographed. It was great. So I got, I have to ask then with cmonterey.com is where there's information about the Whale Fest. Is there information on that site about like how the, is it going to be a live stream? Uh, okay, so it's going to be, first of all, it's, it's also going to be an uh, um, AMP. So AMP. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, the 20, January 26, 27, 28, 29, from 6.30 to 8.30. And right now we've, we've got more video than we know what to do with. And so <laughs> we're, we're, we're in the process of, of pulling and pushing and shoving things into, into place. So uh, AMP, it'll be on YouTube and Facebook Live. Are you, are, you go, are you reaching out to schools in the area? to kind We're of- reaching out to schools nationwide. We're trying to, this is because this is no longer a local event. Mm-hmm. We're, we are reaching out nationwide to be able to have as many attend as possible. Watch what we've got. We've also got uh, musicians who have, my, my husband's a, a, a musician, and he has incorporated uh, whale sounds into his music. And another fellow has, Richard Carr, has incorporated a whale video into his music. Oh, that's music. great. So that's a couple of things we've got. I, I, that was one thing. You know how um, Google, when you talk into your phone, can, can understand what you're saying? I, I, I read an article where they're trying to do that with whale sounds. So oh, my gosh. So exciting. Maybe we'll learn a little bit about what, more, what the whales are saying to one another. That's I, uh, right. Yeah. So also, we're also trying to address our cultural past. So uh, 
so we have a couple of activities that we normally engage our visitors in. Um, and so now we're going to take that to video and show people how to do scrimshaw, which is the carving of whalebone that the whalers did on their long voyages. But instead, we show people how to do it with soap and shoe polish. And then another one is gyotaku, which the Japanese would use a stenciled fish and say, this is what we have caught today. Say, oh, there'd be a fish chain full of rock cod. Okay. And so then there would be a stenciled fish out of it and show rock cod here and here over here is sardines and so forth. So they would stencil the fish. So you take these these uh, uh, washable poster paints and paint the fish and then you put, put paper on them. Anyway, that's one of our activities. Another another thing that uh, we have had in the past is, is a fish uh, cooking demonstration, but we're not going to do that as part of the whale fest, but we did it earlier this year with Teeny Shake. And we have uh, Tim Thomas, who's going to be giving a, a, a riveting history of Fisherman's Wharf, starting out with the Indians and how abalone shells show up in Minnesota because wow. they traded them, you know, a- across the, the country. And pretty exciting, these trade routes. I think I'd like to study that. But the various other things going on, we also have sort of a trying to also a- attract the very young set and, and hopefully we will keep them all throughout the program. And so we have a, a storytelling of a of Wally the whale and a couple of, of of other let's just say to to the younger set but for the most part the whale fest is always appealing to every demographic every age every level of education doesn't matter if you've got a PhD or 85 years old you're going to be or 10 PhDs you're going to learn something at the whale fest because there's cutting edge information that's presented sometimes what these scientists are showing is just something that just hasn't been seen or known before when you've got cameras riding on sharks or riding on whales you know, this is just fantastic. And, you know, they used to think it was a desert out in the middle of the ocean and couldn't figure out why this area that they ended up calling the Shark Cafe exists. And then by attaching the cameras, they found out. And with with all of this overwhelming information coming in, Wellfest is able to present a, a little bit of the cutting edge every year. So we give our presenters at the symposium the opportunity to say, what is it, do you want to present cutting edge? Do you want to present your, your favorite topic? Do you want to present what you're most concerned about? We give them leeway. Hey, go for it, you know, and uh, that's uh, part of our success. The other part is that the Whale Fest is so tangible. All these exhibitors provide something extraordinary to put your hands on. So, so Bill Gilleaf, who is the world expert on humble squib, brings a huge uh, Humboldt squid and dissects it, shows it shows people how the lens of the eye of the Humboldt squid is the same as the human eye. And uh, Jim Gregg, who owns the Western Flyer last year, he brought um, a uh, Xbox and, and put it camera in the harbor well i am completely inefficient at operating an xbox and all these kids were had the the camera crawling around the harbor well when i got a hold of it i had the thing leaping about 10 feet 15 feet you know anyway but (laughs) that's uh, my point is 
we were appealing to all ages. And that's the same thing with the SSROV, the science seafloor, where they teach kids how to remotely control the vehicles. And that's what Chad King was all about when he was exploring the Davidson Seamount and found the Octopus Sea Garden and all of these things. This stuff translates so quickly that maybe a kid attending the, the Whale Fest in, you know, 2016, he's now in graduate and, you know, a senior in college or whatever, and and pushing on to who knows what kind of research or, or whatever. So, like, as I was saying, it's definitely a, a appeals to one and all. Wow. Thank you so much again, Mary Alice, for coming on the program. Just a wealth of information about Whale Fest and Fisherman's Wharf. I really, really appreciate it. You can find out more at whalefest.org. And if you'd like to hear the rest of my interview with Mary Alice, you can find it at whatstheplanmonterey.com. I'm Paul Wyant, owner of Express Employment Professionals of Monterey County. At Express, we find great people to help your business run more smoothly. Do you really want to be out working all day Saturday because your business is understaffed? Of course you don't. You want to be out golfing or at Whale Fest or watching sea otters float in the Elkhorn Slough or any of the other great things you can only do in this beautiful paradise that we live in. So for additional information about how my business can help you get out from under the fluorescent lights on Saturday and onto a whale watching boat, give me a call today at 831-920-1230. I'd like to thank my guests again, Mr. Steve John and Mary Alice for coming on the program. And of course, I'd like to thank the greatest producer in the business, Mr. Mark Carbonero, and David Marzetti. He's the host of the Saturday Morning Shag Bag Radio Show, and he helped me make this program possible. So tune into his show every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. You've been listening to What's the Plan on Central Coast Power Talk, 1460 a.m. and 101.1 FM. Stay tuned for Business Sense Radio with Mr. Edward King, and it's up next. riding high in April, shot down in May. But I know I'm gonna change that tune When I'm back on top, back on top in June I said that's life That's life And as funny as it may seem Some people get their kicks Stomping on a dream The preceding was a paid commercial program, and the views expressed are those of the speaker and do not reflect the views or opinions of iHeartRadio, its staff, or management.